Welcome to Listen Up America, a show about the truth, opinions, and thinking. A constitutional and conservative podcast in a world of woke cancel culture. We are the resistance. Welcome to the LUA Podcast Studios. I'm your host, Eric, and this is Listen Up America. So you all got word that we took a hiatus or noticed on Mondays that uh, I wasn't posting podcast episodes. The intent is to be as open and as honest as I can about the situation so that uh, you as my audience can just see me for who I am. We were not in any trouble with anybody, not Spotify, not the FCC, nobody. We had no issues with being censored. That was nothing of the problem. We had a family situation. We've been having a family situation for two years. For those that have been listening, know that the producer of the show is my oldest son. He is almost 22 years old. He graduated three years ago from high school. And at that time, he had a 3.8. He finished in the top 5% of SATs in all of the county. Uh, he scored like a 1340. Got accepted to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Was going to be a winemaker. Took him up to college. The day that happened, he decided to flip the script. He made every wrong choice you can make as a young person. We would go to church on Sundays. He chose not to. We would invest ourselves and our family into whatever it is we're doing, our jobs, our family life, whatever. He chose not to. Uh, Without getting into too much, basically, he decided college professors were kind of mean, I guess. People that he was rooming with and friends that he thought he had were kind of mean to him. So uh, he decided to be extremely soft-skinned about it all, which kind of shocked my wife and I coming from this family. Uh, You got to have pretty thick skin with the sarcasm and wisecracking that goes on here. But uh, he didn't handle it at all well. And he did the one thing that people that know me know that I cannot stand. That's being lied to. You know, we talked to him on Zoom every week. And he would, things are fantastic. School's going great. Friends of this. I'm going to. And he went nowhere. He really never left his room after a few weeks. And just became paying Cal Poly San Luis Obispo rent. And paying an extreme amount of money in food. He spent. My wife and I didn't. He had money saved, and uh, there you go. So about twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars, he just crapped away in a year. He flunked out. He didn't tell us he flunked out. He actually kind of lied to us again, and we took him up for a sophomore year on a very long day of work for me. I was driving to a customer. It was what we called my long day. It was my twelve to thirteen-hour travel day, where I was driving six hundred to six hundred twenty miles on a round trip. So uh, leaving early and getting home after. Five, six o'clock. Well, on that call on the way home, my son calls me because he is being evicted, kicked out of school, and he better go now or he's going to jail kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of drama just slapped us in the face, just out of the blue. You know, sunshine and rainbows, and now it's the sheriff says now or never. So uh, I had to then come home, talk to my wife, break her heart, and then take off for San Luis Obispo, which is a four and a half hour ride from our home. Get him and come back. That day I drove, we looked at, I think it was about 1,300 miles, got home about two in the morning. When I got there and saw him, it was, uh, don't talk to me. It's in your best interest. Now, mind you, I spoke to my pastor trying to talk me off the ledge on the way up because I was going to kill him. And those that know me know, yep, that's Eric. He was going to kill him. But I had good advice. The kid lived. Probably should have smacked him around a bit, 
because he didn't change much once he got home. The same bad habits there were here. Uh, he just did it with a smile and did it under my roof and eating my food and so forth. The line continued. The sleeping in all hours continued. So we put him under contract. And with the contract, it had specifics. You had to be up by a certain time and you had to do these things. And if you didn't, there was a fine up to including money and being kicked out of the house. So just in a month, I got $350 sleeping past my alarm for an hour and a half type stuff. So that was sadly, it just breaks your heart. You're just like, the alarm goes off. You can't get up. Why can't everybody else get up? How come on work days, you can get up no problem with that same alarm. But when I need you to just get up, uh, you can't do it. But, you know, here we are. Well, the straw that broke the camel's proverbial back this last weekend, my wife and I took our youngest son to his first cross-country meet in over a year. It was at the Rose Bowl down in Pasadena. And on our way home, the older one was texting, asking when we were going to be home. And I'm like driving. I'm like, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock? Just all depends on traffic. Well, I'm pretty good in California traffic and just the road in general. So I got home about 10, 10. And uh, surprise, surprise, there's a car in my driveway that's not his or mine. And come to find out there's a girl in my house and in his room. That is a no-no. So uh, he lied about why she was there. He blamed her that, you know, her dog died. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, I'm reading his texts, and uh, I won't get into that, but it wasn't good. And I got very agitated and angry at him. My wife, furious. Uh, he'd been told multiple times and both boys been told as they've been growing up, you never bring a girl over and they're never in your room and so forth. And uh, he did it. So, uh, he walked her out with a walk of shame. We never said a word to her. Didn't even see her actually leave. She's just gone. It was uh, pretty hilarious watching this happen. We dropped the hammer and told him that, uh, per the contract and as your parents and the amount of disrespect you continue to show this house and your parents, uh, you're out of here, buddy. I had to fire him. From the podcast because I didn't want him involved anymore. It just didn't seem to be a point. Something we were doing together and sharing, but uh, I don't like, as we say, someone pissing on my leg and telling me it's raining over and over and over. I just get tired of it and I just push out the door. So he's on the clock on getting out. Got his car in the shop, so he's got to get that fixed. So basically, all the things that could be going bad for him right now, he's making sure goes super bad by making all the wrong decisions. So for all the parents out there that have teenagers or had teenagers or are going to have teenagers, yeah, it's going to happen no matter what. Sometimes you get a good one. Sometimes you get one that just gets completely lost and confused. And my wife and I told him throughout this entire process that we love you, but you have to start making smarter decisions. And if you think and go left, you might want to go right because everything you choose is wrong. And he continues to make those poor decisions. The hope is, him being almost 22, that a hard life of reality of paying his bills and rents and auto insurance and gas and his electrical bill and going to get his own groceries and buying his own clothes and all that stuff that we all had to do at one point, he's going to do now. We're going to be praying that he continues to go to school and gets a degree in something because now he doesn't know what he wants to do with life because San Luis Obispo broke him. So instead of standing up and trying to challenge himself and them and show them that they can't get the best of him, he's choosing to let them get the best of him. So we're praying for him and hope that he figures it out sooner than later. But it sounds like it's going to be a life of hard knocks by his own doing. And hopefully he'll learn from this and start making some better decisions real soon. So that's what's going on. That's why we had to take some time off. I'm going to try my best because I have no clue how to do any of this editing and putting it all together. So I'm learning on the fly. I just want to thank you all for your concern, 
for your dedication to the Listen Up America podcast. Uh, It's nice to hear from you all and your concerns. I just want to let you all know, I'm back. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our Instagram page is at listen underscore up underscore America underscore. And our Facebook page is L-U-A podcast all together. L-U-A podcast on Facebook. So please join the community. Tell us what you think and uh, share with all your friends and let them know how awesome we are. Okay, guys, let's get this started where we left off last time. My loyal listeners out there, Afghanistan, we're sitting here. The country is completely turned on Biden, thankfully. His approval ratings through this process is under 38%. Some polls have it as low as 31% overall. And uh, it's like 1978, 79, all over again. And I'll get to more of that as we go through this. But when this first went to hell, okay, we had the State Department and we had the Pentagon and we had Saki all saying the same thing. I don't know. That was their answer when asked, how many Americans are still left in Afghanistan? Remember, the estimates by these three departments were between 10 and 15,000 Americans are there, but we just don't know. Now, as the evacuation was taking place and amidst all that chaos at Kabul, here we are and we're being told, we got out 6,000 and there's only one or 200 left. Where did the rest of them go? Because we're being told, hey, everyone's out that wanted out. That's the new spin. Now everybody's out that wanted out. That anyone that's left behind clearly didn't want out. And it's not our fault. It's their fault. Right. Anyone else believe in this? Because they didn't know a day before they said this. And now all of a sudden they know. This is CYA in full display of the entire planet. As ISIS and and Al-Qaeda are out there in force coming hard and have taken complete control of Afghanistan. They're going to slug it out with each other from time to time because they agree on like 99% of everything, but they're going to fight about the one. It's, it's that pathetic with them all. But we're sitting here stateside looking at this catastrophe. And I've got a clip I'm going to play for you that basically explains the whole damn thing. Jennifer Griffin, if you did not know, she is the Fox News foreign correspondent, and she spent most of her career in the Middle East. She did some time in Russia, then moved to Israel, and then spent quite a bit of time in Pakistan and Afghanistan. She's kind of an expert and kind of cute. She does the Pentagon briefing, and she is asking some very good questions to the Department of Defense spokeshole Kirby. He's the little midget admiral wannabe used to be guy. I'm going to play the questions she asks of him. And then there's going to be a montage kind of thing. Then there's going to be some Biden clips that follow. Then it's going to come back to her second question and another Biden clip. And I'll let you to, I want you all to just process. John, what is your current estimate for how many Al Qaeda are inside Afghanistan? I haven't seen an, an estimate on that. I, 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 okay, I, I don't know. We have an exact have estimate. Military intelligence estimates about how many Al Qaeda remain in Afghanistan. We know that 
al-Qaeda is a presence as well as ISIS in Afghanistan, and we've talked about that uh, for quite some time. We do not believe it is exorbitantly high, but we don't have an exact figure for you. As I think you might understand, Jen, it's not like they they carry identification cards and register somewhere. We don't have a a, a perfect picture. And our ability, uh, our intelligence gathering ability in Afghanistan isn't what it used to be because we aren't there with the same numbers that we used to be. What interest do we have in Afghanistan at this point with al-Qaeda gone? We went to Afghanistan for the express purpose of getting rid of al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, as well as, as well as getting Osama bin Laden. And we did. But the president just said that there is no al-Qaeda presence in Afghanistan. That does not seem to be correct. What? What uh, we don't think is that we what we believe is that there isn't a uh, a presence that is significant enough to 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 merit a threat to our homeland as there was back on 9-11 20 years ago. The president also said there is no national security interest, no national interest in Afghanistan. I'm a little confused by that. Can you explain why there's no national interest in Afghanistan. Why did we have troops there for 20 years if there's no national interest in Afghanistan? We had a, we had a significant interest in being in Afghanistan to our national security 20 years ago. Uh, you've heard the president talk about this. The the, the goal was to uh, to defeat and decimate Al Qaeda, also to prevent Al Qaeda from launching attacks on the homeland from Afghanistan. Imagine, just imagine, if that attack. If bin Laden had decided with al-Qaeda to launch an attack from Yemen, would we ever gone to Afghanistan? Would there ever be any reason we'd be in Afghanistan? Controlled by the Taliban? What is the national interest of the United States in that circumstance? I don't know. It's a bit mind-boggling, isn't it? You have these people in charge within 24 hours of each other saying what I just ran for you. I don't know. And again to date, I remind you all, No one in the State Department, no one in the Pentagon, no one in the White House has been fired or resigned. We have documents coming out. I love this. The old sources say that all this information is coming out that the Pentagon gave Chairman Joe everything he needed. And Chairman Joe, who, as we all know, has the uh, mind of a potato, made decisions based on no information, just threw a random number and said, I want 650 guys there and just make it happen. This being the case, nobody in the cabinet, nobody in the Pentagon, nobody stood up for the nearly 6,000 troops who were sent there for the 13 dead and the 20 plus wounded, not even including all the Afghanis that were murdered. No, none of them have the courage or the balls to stand up. You may have heard of a Lieutenant Colonel from the Marine Corps, but uh, he went on social media and put his career on the line, knowingly spoke out, was holding the top brass accountable for screwing it up yet again. And of course, his duties were taken away and he ended up resigning and he's going to face jail time and he knows he's going to face jail time. See, the good people in this process that are standing up and going, that's not right. Why are you still in charge? They're the ones being punished, not the people in charge making these horrible decisions. I'll remind you, when Trump first got elected, he went to the Pentagon And he sat down with all the generals from the chairman, joint chiefs, and uh, the rest of the people in the Pentagon and told them, you're all a bunch of losers. Literally, you're all a bunch of losers. 
You haven't won anything in 30 years. You need to get your act together, sharpen your teeth and pencils. Let's get down to nitty gritty because you and you and you, you're fired. And then you're going to take a spot. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're fired next. And of course, the Pentagon and those in the top brass, they're the swamp, just like the swamp in every department level of government. They never forget. So here we are. We're playing political games with the lives of young people for freedoms, for protection, because these losers in the Pentagon got called out. Oh no, how dare the public sector of the United States who elects these politicians and puts them in charge of the Pentagon, tell the Pentagon they're not doing their job well at all. You know, you go to those clips and Biden's, well, if he had attacked from Yemen, you know, why would we go to Afghanistan? That is, everyone else understood that was the stupidest thing of the moment that the potato could have said. What the hell does one have to do with the other? He had his power central located in Afghanistan with the help of Pakistan. We'll get there in a second. And we knew it and we went there to get him and his crew and the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, get them all. Meanwhile, Pakistan, you know, they're our ally, they're our friend, let me help you with that. They're not, never have been, never will be. If this government of ours has got any brains at all, they better start butting up to old India and make India the economic power over China. Since they have nukes and Pakistan has nukes and they have border skirmishes, we could kinda, I don't know, help them. Because you have to remember, Pakistan, where did all these Al-Qaeda fighters come from that are now all over Afghanistan as we speak? They came from Pakistan. They've been there the whole time. You all do remember that when Obama, against Chairman Joe's recommendations, went after Osama bin Laden, uh, he was in Pakistan. I'm going to say that again. Pakistan. And everybody knew he was there. The Pakistani government knew he was there, provided him everything he needed to protect and keep him on the down low. They knew. Did we punish Pakistan? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? No, we didn't. We didn't do anything. We just, thanks. Thanks for what? For wasting American lives and money? They knew where he was. Pakistan is not an ally, a friend of any sort to the American people and our government. Never have, never will. So we sit here pondering, well, what's coming tomorrow? Hell's coming. That's what's coming. When you guys hear this podcast, uh, this weekend was the anniversary of 9-11, 20th. And I talked about it in my last podcast on my personal story on how that went down for me and my family. It's going to happen again. You don't even have to be Nostradamus, anyone special to know. It's going to happen again because we are going to allow it. Our government wants it to happen. Our Pentagon wants it to happen because, remember, they're just all about war, so they just want another big war so we can go blow stuff up. No rhyme or reason. Just do it. But it's going to happen. Americans are going to die. They're going to be victims, innocent. It's going to be a nightmare. The death toll will just keep climbing and our government and our Pentagon and our State Department will keep pussyfooting around and uh, pretend it wasn't that bad or hey, we're going to get them. We'll show you. We're going to spend some money. And then the results will stay the same because history always repeats itself. And that's where we're at. Afghanistan is complete chaos. And if you recall a week ago, the Secretary of State, Blinken, you know, the rock star, He said we were negotiating with the Taliban for the release of Americans and friends and allies and so forth. We were, as I said last time, negotiating for the first time ever, openly and proudly, with terrorists. 
ISIS-K released from prisons we were in control of. We left. Poof, they're out in the streets. Al-Qaeda. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. In the words of Hulk Hogan, what you gonna do, brother, when the 24-inch pythons run wild on you? That's what Al-Qaeda's doing right now. They're just running wild. But don't worry, there's no threat whatsoever. Let's go to Blinken. Uh, but whatever uh, we end up doing, um, again, is going to be informed by the thinking of our allies. And uh, tactical decisions aside, we're united with those allies in, uh, in a few things. In, in making sure that um, we, as we move forward, we seek to bring a responsible end uh, to the conflict, to remove our troops from, from harm's way, uh, and uh, to ensure that Afghanistan can never again become a haven uh, for terrorists that would threaten the United States or uh, any of our allies. Never threaten us again. Right. As of now, the Taliban are not permitting the charter flights to depart. They claim that some of the passengers do not have the required documentation. While there are limits to what we can do without personnel on the ground, without an airport, with normal security and procedures in place, we are working to do everything in our power to support those flights and to get them off the ground. That's all code for, well, we left Bagram and took all our troops out and equipment, so we have no means to force the issue and stand up for ourselves. So we have to play these games because we are weak-minded simpletons that have no idea how any of this is supposed to work. I'm going to close this segment out with a clip from Obama's Department of Homeland Security, Jay Johnson. He had something to say. But we do have to regard the recent turn of events as creating a real risk uh, of, of another terrorist organization, whether it's ISIS-K, Al-Qaeda, uh, trying to reestablish a foothold in Afghanistan, Andrea. COVID time. Don't touch me, I'm sterile. I don't know about you guys, but I'm uh, pretty wide-eyed about all this and uh, made my feelings very clear about the greatest overreaction of all time and that being COVID. Have you noticed how the government, and in particular, this government with its Democrat, liberal, Marxist, socialist, communist, whatever you want to call them, the bad guys, and how they react and how they handle all of these situations. You have Afghanistan, which we just talked about, and you've got one side saying, it's all good. The other one saying, it's not good. Then you got one side saying, we're winning. The other one side saying, we're losing. And it's just this contradiction of attitude and information from <clears throat> the government. Now you've got COVID, just another example. I'm going to go through quite a bit today on the absurdity, this walking contradiction of <clears throat> science over political power. And if you think this is still about the science, then you're not paying attention to the actual science. I got a clip from this young lady. Her name is Molly Ball. She's from Time Magazine, not Fox News. Because we know he's supposed to speak this week on plans to combat the Delta variant. It's something he's talked about a lot. It's still a big issue for them. Well, because it still doesn't feel fully under control to people. And I think there's no mystery about, you know, I think the, the COVID approval is sort of like the economy at this point. The president gets blamed for it, whether he has any control over it or not. Yeah. And the administration knows that, it's, that this is sort of their new stock market is that case number. And they have got to find a way to at least appear to have uh, a plan for it. 
uh, because there has been this feeling that, you know, conflicting guidance, confusing guidance, people don't really know what the message is out of this administration in terms of where we expect to be over the long term. We know now. So Biden comes out this week, ignores all the other problems and decides, I've got a plan. He's got a six point plan. I got a goddamn plan! Of nonsense. And basically what he's telling the entire planet is if you're a federal worker, you have to get it or you're fired. And if you're a private business and have a hundred employees or more, you have to force your employees to get a vaccine or else. Does this sound democratic, constitutional at all? No, of course not. The answer is no. Hell no, no way. This is not the way we do it. The government doesn't dictate to the citizenry, to its businesses, on how to operate and what they can and can't do. I remind you, the day Numbnuts the Potato, Chairman Joe, said all this, his co-president, she said this, when people are able to design their lives in a way that they can determine their own futures, we are a stronger democracy and we are a stronger nation. When people are able to make choices without government interference for themselves in terms of their well-being and the well-being of their family in consultation with whomever they may choose, we are a stronger society. I want to remind you that President Chairman Joe has exempted the United States Postal Service. They don't have to get vaccinated. It's okay for them. Again, everyone's got to do it except for them. Oh, wait, now you've got all the unions screaming out. Hey, you can't take that power away from us because the unions want to increase their wages. They want more benefits. So they're telling the president to shut the hell up. Let us use this as leverage with Amazon and Walmart and whoever and say, hey, if you want us to get vaccinated, you're going to give me this and 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 this. That's how this is going to go. So everyone has to do it, except most people that support the Democrat party or all of them, no, they don't. It doesn't apply to them. It only applies to people that are actually working, that actually are conservative, uh, maybe believe in God, things like that. Those folks, um, you're screwed. You have to do what the old man says. But we don't because the Constitution says I don't. And I'm going to stand on that. I've already talked to my church. Our church has stood up and they've put a program together of letters. If they need a, based on religious beliefs that you uh, do not want this vaccine, um, you just talk to our pastor and they take care of it and they give you the letter and then that's that. And But it does mean, you know, if you believe and you have this belief, you're willing to fall on the sword. If you're going to take the religious belief and they fire you, then they fire you. That's just the way it's going to go. But this is insane. Again, rules for thee, not for me. And it's like, wait a minute. You have to do, but I, I have to do, but you don't have to do it because of who you know, because of your liberal connection. I mean, are you kidding me? The second thing is you go to Kamala, you go to Kamala. She's sitting there with the audacity, the balls to say that, that the government has no right to tell you what to do with your body. The same damn day after Biden dropped his six-point plan, do it or else. They don't talk to one another. That's clear. Here's the thing. Like, it goes back to the confusion cycle. Now the government is telling you in one hand, A. and the other hand, B. And then there's somebody else who come and say, no, 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 C. Don't forget the science. I got plenty about the science. You're just not reading about it. 
And of course, the left-wing media is never going to tell you about it. Mainstream is just like, shh, everybody get the vaccine. But I'm going to remind you again that three-quarters of the American black population has not, does not, will not get the damn vaccine. And then you got over 50% of the Hispanic population has not, does not, and will not get the vaccine. And then you've got about 46, 47% of white people that do not want it. But it's a white, unvaccinated problem. No, it's you, your message, the process of 18, 19 months of the line, the bullcrap, the contradictions, the science over here, because you found a scientist you like said this, but then these 20 scientists over here are like, no, you still have, I'm sorry, you still have lead professors from Stanford and Harvard saying, yeah, this is completely out of line and unnecessary. And I'm going to show you why it's unnecessary. So I've got an article here written by Wayne Allen Root, and it was headlined, the government and CDC are lying about COVID-19 vaccine and invictomycin. The question is why? Well, it's been quite a week, he says. I've been in the media business for decades, and I've never before witnessed such lies, exaggeration, and outright fraud, all with the intent to force everyone to be vaccinated. The question is why? Let's start with the vaccine itself. The results in Israel prove what a sham, charade, and fraud this all is. The U.S. government and CDC argue that the vaccine is our only chance to survive and that people are hospitalized and dying with COVID-19 because they are unvaccinated. Both arguments are pure fraud, he says. First, you are aware that anyone who dies within 14 days of getting vaccinated is considered unvaccinated. No wonder they claim everyone who is dying is unvaccinated. If you die from COVID-19, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, they just call you unvaccinated. If a business person in the private sector tried that scam, they'd spend 20 years in prison for fraud. The CDC also has been using stats of COVID-19 deaths going back to January to make the claim that the deaths are almost exclusively among the unvaccinated. That's because earlier in the year, almost everyone was unvaccinated. Duh, we didn't have it yet. And it was barely being rolled out. So he goes back and says, that's called rigging the numbers. The CDC must be using the same Democrats who rigged and stole the 2020 election. Yeah, good point. Worst of all, the media has blacked out the developing disaster in Israel. Do you guys know what's going on in Israel right now? This is what's happening. Israel is the most vaccinated country in the world. They all got the Pfizer vaccine. At first, deaths and hospitalizations went to almost zero. Israel had declared victory over COVID-19. But wait, everything changed today. A massive COVID-19 outbreak has engulfed vaccinated Israel. Hospitals are full. People are dying. At this moment, Israel, the most vaccinated nation in the world, has more COVID-19 infections per capita than any country in the world. That's called science. Do you guys understand the lie, the bullcrap? It's just, there is no science that backs the vaccine as being a success. There is no science that says it's good. It's so good, you got to get a second one. It's so good, they want you to get a third one because Biden said so. But did you know that the World Health Organization, you know, we love them so much, except when they argue with us. Their chief, the big kahuna for the WHO, comes out and is urging a halt to all booster shots. Not here in America. Chairman Joe and the gang, Fauci, oh, we got to get it, get it now. Do we? 
Israel is a controlled number of market for the science. They all damn near got vaccinated. The most vaccinated country on the planet. And now they're getting sicker and they're dying at a more rapid pace than they did before the shots. So I've got an article for you. This is from a Dr. Joseph Mercola. Here's the bullet points of the article. According to the CDC, people who got the COVID shot early are now at increased risk for severe COVID disease. Yeah, if you got it, it's gonna get worse. This may be a sign that the antibody-dependent enhancement is occurring or it simply indicates that the protection offered is limited to a few months at best. Recent research warns the Delta variant is poised to acquire complete resistance to wild type spike vaccines. This could turn into a worst case scenario that sets up those who have received the Pfizer shots for more severe illness when exposed to the virus. To stay ahead of the virus, the Biden administration is now considering recommending a booster shot five months after the initial two doses rather than waiting eight, as previously suggested. Israeli data, there's those Jews again, Israeli data shows that Pfizer's shot went from a 95% effectiveness at the outset to 39 by late July of 21. The US FDA expectation for any vaccine is an efficacy rate of at least 50% compared to a placebo. Do you guys understand what that's saying? Because it's, it's very clear. Here's English. It doesn't work. It's not a vaccine. It's just a little shot that might help you for a couple of months. But if you, and you may, I mean, we've had 40 million out of 340 million come down with COVID. I'm sure, you know, no flu in there at all. But here we are. 40 million people have gotten it. You have almost 200 million have taken the shot. And the science shows you 200 million, you're screwed. And it's not the fault of the unvaccinated. It's your fault, your choice. It's called being responsible for your decisions and living with the consequences. You took a medicine, and I use that term medicine lightly, with no scientific understanding. There were no control groups. This was just thrown together. And I was against this when Trump was running around and trying to hustle his muscle and get everybody going, but he had to. He's the president. That's his job. But I've told you, and I will tell you time and time again, it has taken historically seven to 10 years of time, studies after studies after studies and control groups of all ages, all genders, all races, it goes on and on. Before they can find out if it's legitimately good or bad. And here's a tip, more times or not when they go to the FDA for approval, denied. Then they have to start all over again. But no, not here. We can get this to you in like seven days. Great. I told you from the beginning, you should be very leery about this. This is skipping the entire process. And then you come to find out, by the way, people that uh, get it naturally have a better immune against this stuff anyway. So I stand by if you're healthy, if you're fit, you know, if you're not doing drugs and all that kind of junk and eating 16 Big Macs a day, you may get it and you'll be better for it. That's just the way it goes. The strong survive and the weak don't do so well. 
but we're screaming about all the dead and all this and all that. And it's a lie. The government paid hospitals for cases. So the hospitals made everything a case so they could get all the money. You know, it's always about the money. Pfizer's going to keep making this stuff and you guys are going to be taking this shot for the 15th and 16th time. And nothing's going to change. You're still going to get sick. And when you do, oh, is it going to be a punch in the gut? But you make decisions for yourselves. That is the American way. I and my family choose not to take the vaccine. We are looking at getting our religious exemptions, sending them to whoever they need to go to. And if that's not good enough, lawsuits will be filed by, well, me if I have to, but church groups and political groups and people are going to stand up to this. You cannot, per Kamala Harris, force people into medical decisions they don't want to make. She said it. I just agreed. And you can say, well, she was talking about abortion. It applies to everything. Not just, you don't get to just pick and choose. That applies to everything. Let's look at St. Fauci. What's he been up to lately? Well, there was a Freedom of Information Act filed and showed the documents that Dr. Fauci's NIH-funded, you know, the gain-of-function research to make the chimeric coronaviruses in the Wuhan Virology Lab. Remember, St. Fauci sat there in front of Congress, told Rand Paul he was an idiot. He never said, he never did, and now all the documents that they cannot make go away fast enough are coming out. And it says in the documents with his name on it that he funded this very gain of function for China to play with it, come up with it, and here we are, world, we're dealing with it. This guy is not a saint. He's a piece of human excrement. He's crap. He's a political, self-serving, power-hungry, mental case of an ass. But don't worry, don't worry. His future, his book's coming out real soon, so don't, you know, don't forget about that. You gotta make the money on the book. CNN, MSNBC, the Washington Post, New York Times said nothing about this story. The documents are there. These are called facts. And it says he is a dirty piece of crap who lied to Congress and this country and has been lying to all of you since before it got out of the lab in China. But they're not going to throw their hero under the bus. And I'm sitting there going, well, why not? You guys have been playing this right-hand, left-hand thing the whole time. Do it, don't do it. Wait, don't wait. Have it, don't have it. Now you've got them saying, you got to mandate it. And now you find out that this guy's been lying. Why wouldn't you say, well, the guy's been lying. And then tomorrow, just say, but he said this today, because that's what you've been doing this entire time. Saint Fauci ain't no saint. He's a lying piece of crap. But don't worry. I'm guessing somebody's going to buy the damn book and make the guy some money. We spend $250 billion a year on defense. And here we are. The fate of the planet is in the hands of a bunch of retards I wouldn't trust with a potato gun. So I told you guys earlier about how history repeats itself over and over, right? And I mentioned earlier in the podcast that this is like 1978, 1979 all over again. Well, let's look at the scorecard of what's been going on. It's only been seven going on eight months. That's it. But you can just take the last couple of weeks and look at what's been going on. We surrendered Afghanistan. 
and left behind $85 billion worth of military equipment. And now some people go, well, we didn't leave everything and some of it wasn't working. Here's just some of what we left behind. 22,000 Humvees, 634 M-111 7s, 155 of the mine-proof vehicles. They're called the Max Pros. Those are the big trucks. We left 169 M-113s, armored personnel carriers, 42,000 trucks, almost 65,000 machine guns, 8,000 trucks, 162,000 radios, 16,000 sets of night vision goggles, 358 plus thousand assault rifles, 126,000 pistols. Oh, and we left 176 pieces of artillery. Doesn't even include our helicopters and the fixed wing aircraft and everything else. I mean, we left almost a hundred of a variety of helicopters and there's about 65 different airplanes from C-130s to uh, Cessnas and everything in between. Just left it there. So he did that, COVID, that's a hot mess. Hurricane Ida. So we had another hurricane. World's freaking out. It's this, the most extreme storms. Wasn't even as bad as Katrina, which happened oh, 20 years ago. But hey, whatever. New Orleans didn't drown because, oh, you mean the dikes and the pumps and everything that the uh, Army Corps of Engineers built worked? Yeah, it's funny how that happens. See, if you design your cities, your rural areas properly, flood channels, things like that, you know, uh, fire breaks, by letting lumber companies like kind of help you with that by clearing certain areas of trees so that the fire can't go from one spot to another. You know, just simple little things, but no, it's climate change. That's everything. We got to pass this three and a half trillion dollars of infrastructure. That'll solve everything. That's the left's thinking. Let's just spend three and a half trillion dollars on absolute nothing related to infrastructure. Let's just make it all social programs and whatnot because that'll fix everything. My entire point is if you're going to spend actual money on actual legitimate projects, you have my attention. It's stuff we should have been doing, like I've said, for a hundred years, but this government just refuses to and just keeps escalating the problems and then goes back and goes, gosh, it's just the weather's so bad. I don't know what we do. We got to do, we got to spend the money the money on things that don't build flood control channels, things that won't cause lumber industries to purposefully and strategically put cuts in the forest so that fires can be smaller, managed, and containable, and the lumber industry, you know, can provide American-grown wood. Thankfully, it looks like we got a senator in Arizona, Siena, and in a mansion out in West Virginia that are basically like, no, no, if I want a job, I'm not voting for that. So there is hope that that insanity never sees the light of day. It's just ridiculous. Jobs. Chairman Joe talking about jobs. Everything's great. Everything's great. Oh, except it's not. The job report for August was trash. They were expecting something like six to 700,000 jobs. He got 200. And again, I'll remind you, these jobs that are popping up, this is not expansion of corporate America. This is companies and businesses adding and replacing the jobs that they lost. It's just well, that's a way. So now we're trying to bring that one back. It's not like they got them all back and now they're adding on top of it. This is just replacing lost jobs with hopefully the same people, but a lot of people don't want to go back to that job. It's too easy to not. Joe is just out of control. He's lying about everything. So basically my feeling on this whole deal was you got Ida, jobs, 
lies, and confusion. That's what this is all about with this clown. And I've got quite a few clips that we're going to play just to, so you can really enjoy the retard without a potato gun. Am I to speak now? Please. <laughs> it was, I remember spending time at, uh, you know, uh, go, going to uh, the, uh, you know, the Tree of Life Synagogue, speaking with them. It just, it just is amazing these things are happening. So President Biden is taking heat for falsely claiming that he visited the Pittsburgh synagogue attacked by a mass shooter when he never actually went there. That's CNN reporting what we all knew. He was never there. But as sure as enough, he's going to tell the world, well, I was there. I was everywhere. I was the first guy on Mars, too. He went down eventually to Louisiana. And FEMA, and he's sitting at a desk, and he's got a guy, a black gentleman. That's a key word. You got to remember, he's going to refer to the black gentleman who works for him off to his side in this next clip. Um, this was done at like 1.30 in the afternoon. So I'm guessing in the middle of his nap time. And this is what our chairman had to say. Good afternoon, everybody. We're waiting for a few more people to get on, but we're going to get started, if that's okay with you all. And thanks for joining me. I'm here. Uh, uh, the FEMA director is on. Uh, uh, FEMA director Chris Wells, she, she's on. And I'm here with uh, with my senior advisor and uh, boy who knows Louisiana very, very well, man, and, and New Orleans, and uh, Cedric Richmond. Yeah, he just called a black man that is his like, senior advisor for this. Boy, nice. Forget, I mean, you can't even deal with his mumbling and bumbling. And he's looking at a screen of TVs and they all have names of who they all are. They're on the TV. You know, it's like Zoom. And he's like, I got a, I don't, you know, um, you know, her. Uh, yeah. And I got this boy next to me. <laughs> it is so bad. It is going and is getting so much worse than I ever thought it could. But let's just keep pushing them out there. So after he wasted everyone's time going to FEMA and having all these confused conversations, he went to the streets. This was classic. So they picked a specific neighborhood that they knew would like him, but people that didn't found their way in. That was hilarious. And the big thing was looking at a fallen tree. There was no flood. There's no damage from that. It was just a fallen tree in a neighborhood. And he's walking around and he stops. He stares at the tree. This is a photo op thing. Look, I wasn't bush in a plane. Bush saw a hell of a lot more from a plane than he ever could see in a neighborhood with a fallen tree, but whatever. Well, then they ship him off to Jersey and New York because when it was just a rainstorm and wasn't a hurricane or a tropical storm, uh, it went rolling through up the Northeast and it rained. And some more people died up there than died down in the, where the hurricane was a hurricane and slammed into Louisiana. I don't know. Go figure. Not to diminish the loss of life, that's not my point. My point is the common sense and the lack of intelligence through this process, which goes back to infrastructure that should have been there 100 years ago. This is not the first hurricane to roll like this up and through the middle of the country and then make a right turn through New York. They do it all the time. If they don't go that high, they go through Virginia and North Carolina and South Carolina and so forth. This happens all the time. But we still don't put in flood control channels. We still don't have a way to make sure the water goes where it needs to go and not into your houses. No, 
Why would we spend money on something smart like that when we can bitch about it for the next hundred years and blame climate change? It's too easy. So Joe ended up with Schumer and the rest of them up in New York. And uh, he had some things to say. And so, folks, this summer alone, communities with over 100 million Americans, 100 American Americans call home, have been struck by extreme weather. That's right. 100, 100 American Americans. 100 million Americans. Okay. I was just reading a story from scientists that actually study all this when it comes to the environment, geology, and uh, climate history. So they were talking about 50 million years ago, you know, just before Industrial Revolution. 50 million years ago, this planet went through an extreme climate reaction that lasted almost 150,000 years. Temperatures went up, ozone. I mean, there's a whole mess of stuff. that Stuff we're dealing with now on a fractional level, uh, multiply it by a thousand. And that's what was going on 50 million years ago. What caused it? Volcanoes. Hey guys, um, what's been going off lately for like the last 12 months and we're having like a hot summer? Well, let's see, there was the Iceland volcanoes and then there was the Hawaii volcanoes and there's the Indonesia volcanoes and there's some down in Central America volcanoes and we got the Alaskan volcanoes. And so you're saying there's a lot of volcanic activity going on? No. Is there a relation? No way. It's because I don't have a bridge. But don't worry, Biden's Build Back Better, that's all about infrastructure and making your world a cleaner, more enjoyable climate kind of place. And he's gonna do it by last year. We are going to deal with climate change and, and have zero emissions, net emissions by 2050. By 2020, make sure all our electricity is zero emissions. We're gonna be able to do these things, but we've got to move. We've got to move. Why do they let him out? I remind you, the world and you cancel culture fanatics and the left wings, you couldn't wait to scream bloody murder because Trump's mean. And this idiot talks every day, multiple times, and consistently mumbles, bumbles, and stumbles, and lies, and lays out more confusion than anyone I've ever seen. The guy is so out of his league. It's not even funny anymore. It's just freaking pathetic. This next clip is Joe explaining his really rough week because he uh, did a lot of traveling. He mentions California and Louisiana and goes from there. Um, he didn't go to California. He hasn't been here. He was supposed to come out and campaign for one Adolph Gavin Newsom for the California recall governor, but he couldn't come out because, you know, optics. You got a hurricane that hit like Louisiana and then went up and the, or the Midwest and then hit the coast of New York and Jersey, uh, oh well. And then, oh, there's this Afghanistan thing and um, he's got to think of a way to make everybody take a vaccine that doesn't even work. Play the clip. I hope no one, uh, I've, I've been on the telephone or on the road uh, an awful lot uh, between uh, California, Idaho, uh, New Orleans, uh, excuse me, not New Orleans, Louisiana, but in New Orleans, Mississippi, and, uh, you know, here. I mean, every part of the country. 
every part of the country is getting hit by extreme weather. And uh, we're now living in real time what the country is going to look like. And if we don't do something, we can't turn it back very much, but we can prevent it from getting worse. And uh, so uh, we're all in this together, and we've got to uh, we've got to make sure that we don't leave any community behind. Kind of interesting. Uh, he didn't go to Idaho either, but he mentions he did. So he actually never came out west at all. He went to Louisiana, then he went up to New Jersey and New York. That was it. But you know, in Joe's world, he he visits everywhere all the time. Just ask him. None of it's ever true. You guys did catch how he mentioned we don't leave anyone behind. Just saying, you know. We've got, per the Pentagon and State Department's numbers, if we only got 6,000 out and there's 10 to 15 still you know, that were there in the first place, that means we still got, uh, I don't know, four to 9,000 to go. So that's just the week in Chairman Joe. Afghanistan, COVID, hurricane, climate change, infrastructure bill. It just goes on and on. But don't worry, he's going out to California on uh, Monday when this podcast is released. He's going to be rah, rah, rah in Long Beach in front of probably four people. Good luck with that. Long Beach is very Hispanic and something like 54% of Hispanics in California want to recall him. So we'll see how that goes. But the recall is coming. That is this Tuesday the 14th. And once again, if you are a voter in California, if you know someone that votes in California, you need to tell them, vote yes to the recall, question number one. Vote Larry Elder, question number two. Pray and hope that we wake up and we shake the world to its foundation. Horseface is back. She is uh, doing her best. I'm presuming she's a woman. She could be a transitioning dude. I really don't know, and I kind of don't care. But if you've been paying attention at all since Chairman Joe came into power, we've been redefining gender, even more so than we did before. There is no women give birth. It's people, birthing people. Remember, birthing people? That's going in the budget. Everyone's like, wait, what? What are we talking about here? Because, you know, guys can squirt out a baby, no problem. Yeah, happens all the time. There was a, a bill down in Texas about uh, abortions that you guys may have heard about. And it's going to become a big stink. The left is challenging like crazy. The right is standing up. It's a six-week abortion ban. After six weeks, you can't do it. You know, of course, liberal judges and left sites, you know, you can't do that. And the, the right wing are like, totally constitutional. They can do that. That's states' rights. It's called the 10th Amendment. Anyway, so <laughs> it's just kind of a thing. But we sit here and you have people elected, frankly, by complete idiots. Happens all the time. California is a prime example. But this happened in New York and they chose the bartender to represent them. And she loves the sound of her own voice. And she went on CNN and this was her comment about Governor Abbott and Texas and the abortion. Well, I find Governor Abbott's comments disgusting. And I think there's twofold. One, I don't know if... He is familiar with a menstruating person's body. In fact, I do know that he's not familiar with a woman, with a, a, a female or menstruating person's body. Menstruating person. That would be a woman. See, that's how that works. Women menstruate. I've been married to a woman 29 years now, and I'm pretty familiar with it. If you're married to a woman, guys are pretty familiar with it. Governor Abbott is married, 
and I don't even know. I didn't even look. He probably has daughters for all I know. I'm pretty sure any common sense human being of adult age is familiar with it. Menstruating people, um, men don't menstruate. Now there is menopause, totally different. They physically cannot menstruate. That is what women do. The uterine lighting and the whole thing. It's called period. If you're a woman, does this bother you at all that you're a birthing person and you're menstruating people? You're no longer a woman. Forever, the left has been telling anyone that would listen that American men are oppressive and hold women down, da, 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 da. and now you got the left not even recognize you as a woman, yet those men that they were condemning open doors for their women, help them in and out situations, you know, holding their hand. This is just things we do. So of course, the entire planet mocked her and all these idiots that think like her, menstruating people, birthing people. What? They're called women. But you notice there's a point to this and it'll become more and more evident because they're gonna keep pursuing this new language. The whole point is to dehumanize everything and everybody. That's the entire point. You cannot be an individual and you can't be a man or a woman. You have to be just people. And they're gonna sell it under the guise of, well, if we do it that way, then everyone's just nice to each other. I'm totally nice to everybody as it is. You know, I wasn't the white racist woman in Venice Beach this week wearing a gorilla mask, throwing eggs at a black man running for governor. No, that would have been one of you lunatics. But the media is not going to tell you that this racist white woman through wearing a gorilla mask attacked a potential politician running for governor. No, 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 no. They would only do that if it was me in a gorilla mask throwing at a Kamala Harris. Then I'm a racist. Luckily, I don't have a gorilla mask and I don't really have any time for her or any of them. So when they come out here, um, whatever. Enjoy the sunshine and the smoke. I don't know. But ladies and gentlemen, this is my first podcast all on my own. I hope it comes out well. I hope you enjoyed the content. I really do enjoy doing this. And to all my loyal listeners, thank you so much. You are the resistance. Be the peace. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Be the peace. Don't let emotion get the best of you. Remember, you are the resistance. God bless you, your family, and America. America.